What's good? What's popping? It's your girl, Drea G. It's your girl, the Black Rogue. And we are the Grits, and we are back. What is good? Nothing much. Right. Why you don't never call me the Black Rogue? You always say Tasha won't be feminist shit. You know what? And I, I feel like you be wanting to chastise me. So I'm sorry, Black Rogue. My bad. Thank I'm going to do better. Thank I'm going to do better. Because you do, right. you do you your better, part. You do better. You're right. So I'm going to do better. All right. Mm. How's your week going? My week is going cool. I'm going to tell you, listen, it's just all flown by in a blur. It's all gone by in a whir. I I promise you, like one month it was May. Now it's the end of August going into September. I feel like there was an article earlier this year, like back in July. Maybe it was like the shortest day on earth that we had. But Mm. er ever since then... Like time has been moving at warp speed. You know that it's the aliens, child. Girl, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's climate uh, change. I don't know if it's a time warp that we're in. But time has been moving at the speed of light. Mm. But I'm good. How All about right. yourself? I'm good, girl. It's been a good week as well. All right, good. Well, we're gonna get into it. And since we're having good weeks, we're gonna make sure that we do our roll call. We're going to shout out to our fellow grits across the states. Uh, Tasha, she she tapped my hand the other day when I, I did a shout out to Atlanta. So shout out to all our grits uh, from Georgia to Kentucky to North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida, Louisiana, Tennessee, or even Texas, or even here in New York. Shout out to all the grits across the globe. Speaking of Texas, child, you just mentioned Texas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm going to be coming back home soon for a couple of months. Oh. And yes, child. It's, I'm about to be back home. So you've made announcements? This is no, I haven't told everybody. This is like my first announcement because I wasn't trying to jinx it because, you know, my little situation, child. I'm trying, I'm subleasing my apartment out to my homegirl. Mm. So I wasn't trying to jinx it, but. I'll be back for a couple of months. I'm trying to go to a Cowboys game. So I have a question for you, actually. Mm-hmm. So is it okay for me to go to this Cowboys game, you know, with my ex-uncle and go to the strip club with my ex-uncle? Your ex-uncle by marriage? Yeah. He like, so he used to be married to my auntie. And some shit went down. Now they exes and shit. But my cousins, they're like, oh, we coming with our dad, but we about to turn up. We gonna be drinking. We gonna be at the strip club with the dad. So I'm like, damn, like I want to turn up. I don't want to be turned up with the daddy, but I want to go. Well, so you can't. Like, I like the strip club. So I'm like, it's gonna be weird. Like my oh. ex uncle seeing me half naked at the strip club, child. Right. Well, I would just say that, you know, you follow a certain decorum. Since you'll be going with your elderly ex step uncle, um, Coco, get your cat ass down. Why are you cussing out the cat? Because she wilding right now. Like she on my TV stand. She like she like see how black people would are with the animals, y'all. She want attention, and Coco's like because she's multicolored. I don't know. She thinks that she's 
uh, biracial or my racial. I don't know. But you better get your ass together. You in a black household. All right. I'm back to it. <laughs> that shit was you funny. know, sometimes you got to cuss your kids out and you write, you know, when it happens, where where it's at in the middle of the store. Because otherwise, they they're not gonna respect you. After I'm calling Peter on your ass, Peter, call Peter, call APS, call who you need to. But other than my uncle, what about you, child? Anything that's been going on in your life right now, girl? No, child, ain't nothing going on. Again, I'm just you know waiting on this weekend. Uh, it's the end of summer. We got a couple more weeks. It's been feeling like fall ish. And but that's right on right on trend for my birthday season. So okay, turn nope, up, turn up. So on that note, since we turn it up, we're gonna go right into the pull up. You know how we do it every week. We pull up, toast up to about five things that we're celebrating: relevant pop, you know, entertainment news or just world news. And then you know we gotta bless our hearts to a couple of unfortunate few, and we got a few this week. So we're gonna see. What's going on, Tosh? Black right. Rogue. See, you up there already fucking what it it, up now. What's, what, what's the deal, Black Rogue? What's going on? What we pulling up? Okay, so number one, I'm going to pour it up to Labor Day weekend in NYC. So that's going to be happening next weekend. And mm. it's like no other, y'all. Like, the Caribbean culture is lit as hell. Last year, we had a good-ass time. We was outside, like outside last time. Um, was there a parade last year? Yeah, it was a parade. I didn't go because, you know, I'm always scared that, you know, somebody going to shoot somebody or stab somebody. But, you know, let me stop stereotyping everybody because it was safe. Last year, actually, it was real safe. It was no crime. None of that stuff happened. So I may roll up this year, you know. You Shit. know what? Check it out. I, er, go early. Get my food. Go early to see everybody and then take my ass home. Sounds like a plan. Okay. We can pour up. What's next on the list? All righty. So number two is Black Breastfeeding Week. So it actually started today. It kicks off the 25th through the 31st. And, you know, just a little bit of stats behind that. Only 61% of Black infants are breastfed compared to like I think about 84% of white infants. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that breastfeeding, not only does it help out the babies, but it also helps out the woman. So we have, I have heard that it helps, you know, reduces breast cancers, yeah, weight loss, diabetes, um, helping with high blood pressure. And then we know that it helps with the babies in terms of fewer feeding sicknesses. problems and sicknesses. Mm. Were you breastfed, Sasha? I don't even know, child. Like, I didn't ask my mama that. I think I was because I'm smart as hell. So I think I was. I, don't I, know. I was breastfed until I was weaned off. So shout out to mothers that breastfeed. Y'all mm-hmm. are real superheroes. All right. So moving right along to uh number three i'm toasting up and pouring up to virgo season i'm not a virgo personally but you know during everybody's season i gotta shout them out i gotta show love i have a lot of virgo Mm -hmm. uh virgos virgo energy around me virgos in my family my sister is a virgo i love me some virgos good grounding energy I, do. I don't like that ass. You give me a flashback, girl. My ex, the one that uh Sorry had the baby by the baby mama, was a Virgo. Fuck him. Well, I didn't. I didn't. That's say, a bless your heart, child. I didn't <laughs> say that they they wasn't without they fuck shit. 
But uh, happy birthday and happy Virgo season to all the Virgos celebrating from uh, our faves like Kobe Bryant, uh, Michael Jackson, Beyonce, Slim Thug, Idris Elba, Sanaa Lathan, Kiki Palmer, Justine Sky, Lil Yachty, Light Skin Keisha, Idris Damson, Taraji P. Henson. It's just so, it's so many talented Virgos. So shout out to them. Toast it up to them. Shout out to them. Yes. And so number four on this list is last weekend. It takes something monumental typically to pull me out of my house and get me to Harlem. Um, I have a cousin up there. I go visit and I shoot the breeze with her from time to time. But otherwise, I got to really plot it out. But I feel bad that we missed out last week. It's your fault. Well, I had to. Well, hey, I had a salon appointment and that kind of took all day. But Babyface was there and we missed that shit. Harlem week, culture, you know, people outside. That was amazing, man. Babyface, like a whole legend. I saw a meme and it was like, oh, like when you, it was like when you see the face of somebody famous in a crowd and like you really wasn't expecting them to be famous, famous. But then like it was like Babyface came into the frame. And so that shit is wild because he's been famous for like 30 years. So mm. anywho, shout out to Harlem, uh, Harlem Week, which took place last week. And lastly, number five, what we are pulling up to this week, this weekend, uh, Spike Lee, he hosts and he will have hosted this event by the time this airs for everyone. Uh, but Spike Lee, he's hosting a MJ versus Prince bash. And you know what? I feel like I have never went to them in tandem together. I know they used to throw these. I know that Spike Lee, he really does the the MJ block party. But he I, Prince too. He recognized okay. Prince too. Okay, okay. So, hey, he's doing a bash at Fort Greene Park, or he will have done a bash at Fort Greene Park by the time that this airs. But uh, I'm looking forward to it because I feel like we've been missing it for the last year or two, and it's always a vibe. He always has special guests, special artists mm-hmm. from the community that come out and show love. So just a great event promoting just togetherness and uh, looking forward to it. That shit dope. Like, I remember one year he brought out Wesley Snipes, Erica Badu, um, Denzel Washington's son, mm. and um, some some people from his film that was, I think it was on Netflix at the, at the time. That is, like, always amazing. It's like true New Yorker, like, nutcrackers being sold <laughs> everybody just having a good time vibing dancing i am so excited yeah you know and then as summer gets ready to close but we're gonna cap it off one good time again with labor day weekend so it should be an exciting you know uh two weeks ahead all righty all right well you know we can't have the good without the bad and of course we we got some people that made the list so tasha black rogue who made the list for Bless Your Heart this oh, week? Lord. Irv Gotti. Y'all, I'm tired of his ass, okay? So we just recently saw an interview with Irv Gotti talking about how he feels like love isn't in the cards for him and how he's not going to find love. And the young girls that he's trying to date, they're just interested in money or whatever he was saying. Wasn't so this I, nigga married for like 20 years to somebody that saying, gave him sir. like three, four kids? Oh, okay. 
facts. My thing is, sir, you up there talking about these young girls like they ain't really never satisfied. Like you think, of, and look at Irv Gotti. I'm not trying to be rude, but that man look a little dirty. He look a little wrinkly. You really think a young girl is going to want you for love and not your money, child? Like, why don't you date in your own age bracket? You had a whole wife that was probably a ride or die back in the day that you cheated on, and you want us to feel sorry for your ass? We don't, sir. You, I'm you, tired of him. Like you had your chance at love. Then he just be in the media and all he do, he be talking about Ashanti and shit, talking shit about Fat Joe, even though I really like Fat Joe for other reasons. But still, he's like annoying him. as hell. Fuck him, too. Shit, but that's another <laughs> story we're going to talk about on another episode. Um, but yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of Irv Gotti. Irv, let it go. Just let it go, baby. Okay, let it burn. All right, and then that's going to bring us to the, the second bless your heart. And I fuck with Burner Boy because I, I saw him perform in a couple of places. I think I saw him in Philly and when I was in Ghana. But just recently, I didn't know that this man said this. I didn't know he was talking shit about Black Americans and saying we don't have culture and all this shit. So I saw it. Uh, not with this nigga taking all the samples and shit. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Right. Hold on. So I saw an interview with him this week and they asked him the question and he kind of like danced around the answer and he was just kind of making it seem like people were just hating, hating on him and just hating and just making up shit. Sir, answer the question. Do you say this shit? Yes or no? And explain why you said it. If you don't feel that way, just be honest. Like, hey, I messed up. I, I don't really feel that way. I was just thinking about, you know, maybe something happened to me where I met one Black American person. They were saying some dumb shit. But don't be trying to act like Black people ain't culture. We invented a lot of fucking culture, okay? Right. And uh, people across the seas, everybody from all different races, nationalities, they mirror what a lot of Black Americans right. do. So don't be up there talking all that shit, nigga. And I fuck with them, but don't be talking all that shit. Right, because just as popular and, you know, they got a they got a lot of stardom out there on the continent and throughout the different continents. But don't get it twisted. America is still very much the coveted spot because it's like when I don't know, like for some people, it's like America is total validation. And don't say shit like that with a straight face when nigga like all your samples is of, you know, top charting billboard you know uh american songs and american entertainers that you know made these lists so don't do that all right, right. and I already you know him and steph london they used to date i didn't even know all that but i like steph she seems solid and so i don't know but burna don't be out here burning your bridges with us period all right and so number three okay we, we got a couple of people this week. i know Funky Dineva, y'all. So um, this blogger, I think he based out of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I was watching a video. I think it was a Hollywood Unlocked. He was talking shit about Chloe Bailey, the singer, the black girl, the beautiful mm -hmm. black girl with the locks. And he had the nerve to call her ugly and say he's tired of hearing from her and went on this whole fucking rant. When I tell you, I was going off. In the comments, y'all, on this man. For him to have the audacity to disrespect a black woman, and she's beautiful. Even without makeup on, she's gorgeous. And what what is his idea of beauty anyway? Is it the European standard 
a beauty because she's a whole baddie, natural body, pretty face, just everything. Like and he's a it's bitch. Probably a man because he is gay, but at the same time, you know, gay men they do get props where props is due. I don't know what Chloe did to that. You don't know. mean shit because I got a lot. First of all, I got a lot of black homeboys that are gay and they root for black women. They defend black women. This they man, always like, he's a bitch. Well, not everybody, even straight black men mm-hmm. and even black women. But I mean, he's but a, you saying that he a bitch because he was just disrespectful for no reason. Period. Like right. he's a lame. Right. Because why? Because where did that even him, come what? from? And funky Deneva. Like, why is we even, you know, he look funky child. Right. Let's start there. All right. Okay. So moving away from Funky Deneva, I'm giving a bless your heart to these gentrifiers. Now, when I say gentrifiers, I mean not to get a, get them confused with us transplants and transients. We're transients of color. See, my black ass can identify with the plight of the rest of the man that's that's living among among me. I didn't come here to try to change shit and be like, oh, I'm gonna pay top dollar and beat you out of this spot. My black ass ain't doing that. That's these other people that come here. But what I am blessing my heart to are gentrifiers that are coming to places and not reading the fucking room. Mm. Right. Especially this close. Obviously, Labor Day weekend is on our heels. You know, obviously, West Indian Day Parade is very big here. And so right now, what is taking place, and it's funny because, Tasha, you put me onto this, this story. But before you even put me onto this, somebody else told me because I was telling them about the power of 311. When you are in New York and you're a New Yorker, the power of 311 is like it's godlike power. You know, if they doing construction on your building or in the neighborhood and it's at, you know, 630 in the morning, report they ask because that's illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if the garbage man didn't pick up the trash can at they hey, report they ask. Anyway, so what I learned was they were reporting in the Flatbush neighborhood, the steel band drummers, because they're practicing at a high school, you know, in preparation for the parade. And so you got gender fires coming into these people's neighborhoods, these communities that have been around for decades and the gall of them to call 311 and tell them that they're being disturbed and they don't want to hear steel drums inside their homes. Well, why would you move to a place where it's, you know, saturated in such an other culture mm-hmm. to where you can't identify and you coming over here wreaking havoc on their way of life. That's what makes you a gentrifier. That's what makes you an outliner. You're coming over here trying to change shit. And this is the way it's been. And this is this community. This is this culture. You don't understand it. You're an outsider. So therefore, you don't need to be there. You don't need to be trying to make waves for people and get shit shut down. You need to move around. Read the fucking room. They trying to do the same thing off of Tompkins. That's why they have a petition up for the Tama Sundays. They trying to shut that shit down. It's really ridiculous. And best Hey, hey, let me tell you something. White people, other people, majority people, you don't get to places that were historically other people and then think that you can come over there and make waves and that you can petition and that you can, you know, rally your troops. No, that's not the way you do it. Because that's how you are looked at as a gentrifier, not a unifier, but somebody on the outside trying to change shit. And that's not the way you do it. 
I say this time and time again. Every time I'm walking down the street, the niggas want to catcall. Catcall the white people. Harass their asses. Rob no, their ask asses. them niggas for money. Don't what? ask my black ass. Shit. And then put, you know, a couple of bullets in the air. Pop, 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 pop. Scare right. their asses. We hey. got to scare them out the neighborhood. Right. Like, De- I'm like a deterrent. Real. You know what I'm saying? So niggas don't even get comfortable like, oh, this looks like an up and coming neighborhood. No, it's not. Yep. Harass <laughs> the white bitches. Follow them home. Because I bet the Karens are the main ones calling, child. I bet. You already know it. You already know it. Because anybody else knows and understands and can read the room. But not these niggas with all the audacity. Mm-hmm. All right. So... That is going to bring us to our Southern Sound Off. And this week, our topic is a little bit different. We've talked about a couple of different things over these last couple of episodes. And this week, we want to talk about something special to us. And it's a grits mentality. This week, we want to reflect on our past trials and triumphs that made us stronger over the last decade of living and growing up in New York City as young adults as well as some of the grit and growth it took to even withstand that. They say that if you can make it in New York, you know, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) True. Yeah, it is true. But I also, I feel like that's a twofold or it's a double edged thing because make it, when you say make it, what does that mean? Because we know living in New York city, us that are boots on the ground, what that can mean, you know, make it could mean like, I made it. I'm on Fifth Avenue. I got a doorman. I got a seven-figure salary, a six-figure salary. Or making it could be like, shit, I'm barely, <laughs> uh, I, I barely got a piece of the pie in this city. We'll be just like the locals out here. Shit, they all struggling too, shit. Right. And so I think that that's why this conversation is going to be pertinent this week. Because, you know, even just in our name, Grits in the City, And how we even kind of came to that. It's about girls raised in the South, but also having spent over a decade of living here in our adulthood, uh, what that means. Because we've also grown up here in a lot of different ways. I've really come from young womanhood to really like womanhood here. And so when we even think about the Oxford Dictionary meaning of what is grit? If we even take the the root word of grits, what's grit? It's defined as having courage and resolve, strength of character. These are some of the things that we really had to come to em- embody here. And anybody that's in New York City for any real length of time knows that it's not something that's easy. Anybody that is here <laughs> for whether it's three years, five years, 10 years, it's something that you actively have to work at to do. And it's because you make a choice to do it. I definitely think that you have to have a mindset for this type of place. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. All right. So we both came to New York city as babies. So what was it like for you to experience young adulthood in New York city? Um, I honestly felt like, 
it was just like a roller coaster. Like when I first moved to New York, I was an intern. So it was kind of like I was trying to, well, before I even was an intern, I was trying to get an internship. So I was at the bottom, right? But I had like all this hunger and drive. You know, you come to a big city with all the lights shining. So it was just like, okay, I'm going to make it here. And I had all these hopes and dreams. Hmm. Um my family actually is um, from Queens. So I used to go to Queens a lot. I stayed with my aunt in Long Island. I remember when I first moved to New York, in terms of that roller coaster being down, my aunt said to me, and I will never forget this. This is, you know, some crazy shit I'm about to say. So my aunt was just like, um, you know, tons of kids, they come here for internships. Like, why do you think that you will get this internship out of millions of kids that come to New York. And I was just like, I'm I'm that that shit. I'm go- I know I'm going to get a great internship, right? And I end up getting an MTV. Working at MTV in my young adult years, it was crazy. It was like all these celebrities coming in the building. And I remember they used to like break out different rooms in um, the office and they used to host concerts. So the shit was popping, child, like mm-hmm. back in the day. But also I felt like, it kind of fit in with my personality um, being in New York. I was always an entrepreneur since I was a kid. Like I remember in elementary school, I used to be selling magazine pictures, child. I remember on a previous episode, you was talking about how you had pictures of like R&B singers on your wall. Right. I was selling that shit to kids in elementary school. And then when I got to college, I was selling candy and all that stuff. So when I came to New York, it's, it's an entrepreneur's dreams out here. So... And then also I interned with Chanel. We both interned with Chanel at the Legion Media, right. uh, Media Group, right? Right. So we interned at different points, I think, though. When, what, what year was you intern? I was interning in, in 2010. Okay, mm-hmm. so I started interning for her like in 2014. Oh. Two, so it was like 2013, 2014. So it was after you. Right. Did she, did she have you at the studio with fine ass rappers and shit? Cause she always had us at events with a whole bunch of fine ass people in my I, young years. I was never see. So I did that three or four years behind you. Cause you did that when you were an intern in college. No, that- I was grad. Like I, well, yeah, I was in grad school. Okay. You were in. So I did that. I wasn't even in grad school. So I did it in 2013. You did it in 2010. So when I did it in 2013, I wasn't at studios. What I did was more so she uh, was representing uh, Cypher Sounds. Like he was doing like a hip hop improv show. And it was in Lower East Side. So every week, like he would have different guests that would come through. So it was like the locks. It was the the guy from uh black guy from 40 year old virgin, uh Romney Malco, uh Victor Cruz, just different people would come through to be a Victor part. Victor Cruz. Yeah, Victor Cruz. Yeah, girl. Damn, he fine, <laughs> child. He did some fun shit too. Like she had me take her different clients to clubs. Mm-hmm. She so had one girl from like a football league. It was like an MTV show at the time. And it was like these girls that played football. Um, and then I was with the Jersey Shore people in Long Island. She had me escort them to a club. You know and- what? What was really cool that I got to do, you talking about escorting people. Mm-hmm. One thing, when um, the VMAs came back to Brooklyn, when the Barclays was all set up, I forget, I feel like this was like 2014, 2015, but 2014. And I escorted one of the clients to... Uh, 
one of the parties that uh, the MTV or just one of the pre-parties. And I just remember that L Varner was on the dance floor killing shit. Uh, she was there. It was a couple of other stars. I feel like Swiss Beats was there. I can't remember, but I thought that that was a really cool event. I was scared. I was really nervous because it was like a whole bunch of movers and, sh and shakers in there. And it was like, damn, this is the VMAs like that are right. happening tomorrow. And then, you know, Chanel, she knew everybody. Like, I think she mm -hmm. was friends with, I don't even know her real name, but remember Nicole Bitchy back in the day? Mm -hmm. She was friends with her. And the reason mm -hmm. why I came back to New York, I wanted to be a big publicist like her. It shout ended up out, not happening. <laughs> shout out to Chanel Ray and Legion Group. Yeah, yes. shout out to her. She's really dope. dope woman. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, I came here so long ago. I feel like this year marks 14 years that I've been in the city and I really feel like I've grown up here, uh, which I have because I came here as a baby uh, not knowing anything. But as early as I could remember, I always planned on moving to New York City. As a child, I, I wanted to come here. I was always creative. And I did things like poetry. I did creative writing. I was always into fashion, into myself a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. as all kids are. But really like creative writing. And even my best friend, uh, my childhood friend, she was like really gifted in that sense, too. So was really big into that. But always uh, just envisioned myself and just thought of New York City. And I never knew why, because... Nobody else that I knew was living there. I didn't have any family on the East Coast. So um, for me, coming here at the age of 23, graduating college, I know I'm kind of giving away my age a little bit if we got some mathematicians. Um, but it was it was very exciting, but it was scary as hell. Um, you know, really not having a support system. Um, and moving 1500 miles away from home. But at the same time, I always knew that it is what I wanted to do. So I first moved up here at 23, like I said, and it was for a corporate job. And I, I had been there. I had come to New York a couple of months earlier, once before, uh, you know, to celebrate, but never really just, you know, getting the lay of the land, but always being like, you know what, I'm gonna live in New York, I'm gonna do this. And once I graduated, I got a job, the job that I landed, well, my territory ended up being here in New York City. So mm -hmm. um, just a young woman navigating it, it was rough right out the gate. It was, but it was very exciting though. And I didn't have any family here. I knew I wanted to be here. I had a cousin that lived in Harlem, a cousin. She was older than me, my second cousin, my mom's first cousin. So I knew I had that. My first year, I, I felt like I went through it as most, you know, people, you know, some people's experience is different. Maybe it's a lot of fun, all sorts of stuff. I feel like my first year was a lot of drama. Uh, I had to adjust to my job in the burbs in Long Island. That's where my territory was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dusty ass dudes uh, of of New York City. Uh, and, and when I was leaving Long Island, the people that I was meeting, um, I had car drama. Now, I feel like of lately, winter here has not been harsh. But my first couple of winters here, 
That's when that that Arctic wind and shit was here. That's when the the chill factor was like <laughs> negative uh, zero or whatever. And I just remember when I used to drive and shit, always my fucking car getting stuck in the snow. Well, I, I never drove in the snow, child. <laughs> Never. Well, I was an outside salesperson. So I, you know what I'm saying? I drove my car and like most people, they can, you know, they'll put their car on the opposite side of the street. They'll be able to leave it there for winter or however mm -hmm. they decide to do it. But I literally had to drive my car every day. So I would be getting st stuck in the snow. I had like a Mercedes CLK at one point. That shit was not good. You had a Mercedes? Yes, sis. Yes. I Yeah, I had a CLK child. It wasn't good for the snow, but I had it. Uh -huh. It was stunning. Uh, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of. So, I mean, I experienced so much. I got my first apartment here in Bed-Stuy when I was, you know, 24. And it was a dope apartment. Uh, I remember moving in in February in the dead of winter by myself. I didn't have no shit to move into it, but my clothes and stuff. But I just remember being like, Oh, like I'm doing it. I'm feeling like an adult. I'm here in New York City by myself and doing these things by myself and doing the things that I said that I would do. So, um, but that apartment worth $3,000 now, girl, to this day, I think of it and I'm like chef's kiss because I found that apartment on Craigslist, y'all. That lets y'all know how long ago shit was <laughs> because I found that shit on Craigslist and it was being listed by the owner. So that's how I found it. But and I negotiated my my rate. He, maybe he was asking for like fourteen fifty, and I was like, oh, I pay you twelve fifty. And he took it and it was a mm. beautiful apartment and him and his family lived in it. I stayed in that apartment for like 10 months and I was like, ah, at the time, because I had so much stuff going on. I had like car stuff going on. I was an outside salesperson. It was like, you know what? I need to reduce my overhead. I absolutely love that apartment and that experience. And I'm glad I got to have that. I remember yeah. when I first came here, girl, I don't know about you. You know, now you just probably getting hit to them. But I used to kick it like with the Nigerians here because I had this roommate. It was an older roommate. So I just remember celebrating my 25th birthday. It was this little Nigerian restaurant. It was in uh, Fort Greene. It was over there off of like Lafayette and um, maybe like South Oxford, kind of like close to Moe's and all that stuff over there. You know what? Years later, it became Pink Teacup or whatever that mm, sold. Lord. That one where the man went to right. jail for killing the, <laughs> his nephew? Child, was that Pink Teacup? That, that shit, shit where it went fucking ratchet. And he was already sleeping with his staff. I don't know. But before it was the pink teacup, it was a, a Nigerian restaurant. And it was like a little upscale, like lounge. And I just remember mm -hmm. having my 25th there and it was lit. Like nobody knows how to party like the Nigerians. Like nobody, like I promise you. And I can't wait to That's, go to Nigeria. I don't know, child. I think it's a lie, child. I don't think it's a Caribbean lot. people know how to party too. You know, people from the continent, that's going to be more of my bag. I'm not West mm -hmm. Indian. So me turning up, like I can't listen to Soka, Calypso, all that stuff all night, but I can listen to Afro beats all night. <laughs> that's my vibe. Even remember years ago, like they music has been lit for years. I remember it, it used to be this group called the Banj and they had this song called You Bad, but 
again, like I said, don't nobody party like Nigerians. I can't wait to go to Nigeria because I already hear how they kick it hard. But shout out to them. Uh, but, you know, back in the gap when I first came here, my roommate, like I said, she was tied in. So I used to do all sorts of stuff because of that. Just being young here, exclusive events and fashion shows. I remember going to the Arise fashion show, like during Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. And Arise, they weren't Black designers that were based here. It was actually, Arise was like African designers, like mm -hmm. throughout the continent. And they shit was so lavish and so fly. Like their designers were always lit. When it comes to the continent, you know, they're all about luxury, like, you know, richness, just like, just very like sumptuous. It just speaks wealth. So that's Nigeria, girl, because it wasn't like that when I was in Ghana. Okay, that's <laughs> not what it was like. Okay, but I'm going to tell you this. I went to like two. They're the New Yorkers. I went to like two. Africa. I went to like two Arise fashion shows. And Arise, like I said, it it was based around, uh, you know, uh, featuring talent from the continent so whether that was south africa west africa you know so it was just various parts but i'm telling you like i got to see like all sorts of people that's when i first saw sierra perform i saw her perform for free and i became a fan of hers because i was like damn she got stage presence and she really knows how to perform and work the stage and the audience i saw leona lewis she really couldn't sing i saw r kelly perform uh at one of these shows the after parties like it used to be so lit um so not even just exclusive you know fashion shows and just like things that I wouldn't have gotten to see back home growing up in Texas or in Dallas speaking of parties you know when I was young I was in a section with Lil Kim okay <laughs> like right. they had like these dancers fall it was like a club these dancers in the ceiling and shit like doing all kind of aerobics in the air Right. But yeah, New York would have you into some, right. some type of event. Child. I remember I used to be going out on Sunday nights. I saw Kevin Hart with his little self out one night. Like, it's New York. So you mm -hmm. see people. I just remember when places like Greenhouse used to be lit. That's like back in the day. Club M5, like Mr. H. I saw Yo Gotti there. Like, I saw a couple of people there. Like, Oh, I just want to shout out to 4040 since they closed 4040. Oh, yeah. That was popping back in the day when it first started. When we were young, I was in, actually, I snuck in to a private event there. It was like ludicrous. He had like a private listening party. Uh, that shit was lit, child. <laughs> I bet. And you know, like 4040 was actually like when I came to visit, that was one of the places I came to. But, you know, living here, you hardly go to 4040. But I've been to 4040 a handful of times. And I want to say they had two locations, you know, so they had the one that was in Midtown. That's the historic one that maybe just moved. And um, they had another one. But that shit was legendary though back in the day. I've yeah. been to some places in there. Man, I've been to a tunnel party here. That's legendary. A tunnel party? Yes, but I, I did that more recently. And that was like where Funk Flex, like he'll host it at the tunnel. Like it's like, and he's doing a couple of different cuts. It's like a throwback to, I guess, oh. the 90s, the early 2000s. I got to go to one of those. I've been you know, to some rap parties. What it, what what do you call it when they be rapping out rapping each other and shit? What do you call you that went shit? To like a like a battle freestyle. Yes, I okay. done that shit. 
right. I have two. You know what I'm saying? I shout out to SOBs. Shout out to Hot 97. Who hosts? Who's next? I've got to experience so many things. And like how we were talking about even Chanel earlier and the Leisure Media Group. I shout out to her because she's a young woman of color, and you know she has been making her way in media representing different artists, representing different brands. And um, she's been able to sustain herself. And right. um, I just remember just having the opportunity to work with cool people like Lizzie Grumman, like Chanel Ray of Legion, um, getting to work with Tat Wizza at Hot 97 and getting to work with Funk Fleck, you know, as a part of his writing team. And I wouldn't have been able to do this in any other places but New York City. And uh, like I said, even the Legion group being able to do uh, Cypher Sounds, Don't Take It Personal, press dinners. I remember being on video shoots with uh, Chinks Drugs before he passed at a studio in Queens. It was SOB Slowbuck Studio at the time. And it was a couple of people, just really cool experiences. I got to be on a, a truck for West Indian Day Parade. You know, it's about to come back up. Mm -hmm. That's when I, when I was young and spry. I was done after a couple of hours. But it was like a truck. It wasn't a float. It was a truck. And I wasn't dressing in a, a mass outfit. But I've had so many experiences. And then I also remember coming to a place of being feeling just a myriad of things. It's a blast to be here. But there are highs. There are lows of here. And I remember after living here for about two and a half years, looking up and taking a six-month break. And I left the city for a little bit. And then I came back. So that is a little bit what my experience looked like, you know, as a young adult and you, what your experience looked like. So how have our experiences matured and taught us lessons about ourselves? And then what was the biggest lesson you learned on relationships, you feel? Okay, so I'm going to start with relationships. So my views on dating is totally different now than it was back in the day. Mm. Um, and I've Quite frankly, I think it's because before I moved to New York, I was always a nerd, like growing up. I was the girl that was in every SGA, all book smart, and I barely dated, to be quite honest. Okay. Um, I felt like a lot, a lot of guys liked me growing up. I never was that, you know, it girl. And you know how like a lot of guys these days, they, they'll stereotype women. They'll be like, oh, well, y'all wasn't giving the nerd guys chances back in the day. And now that y'all like, are nigga, older, I was a nerd too. <laughs> Right. I wasn't I wasn't getting no love back in the day when I was young. Right. So when I moved to New York, I felt that New Yorkers love Southern women. I don't know what it is that mm, <laughs> what, they, only, what, they love us until they get to know us. And then they like, you know what? I don't like no you. girl. Shit. They still love my ass shot. I don't love them back. OK, I don't love these niggas back. But I, I felt like I was a catch. Right. When I got here, because I just got so much attention. They were like, oh, you from the South? And they was just like amazed with me being from the South, right? Just some experiences that have matured me is, you know, I was in a relationship with this guy, like throughout my 20s, like off and on in New York. You know, I was just thinking that, oh, I'm going to marry this man. The reality of it was that I just wasn't experienced, right? Mm. <laughs> so I felt like, being in that relationship and looking back now, I would love to tell myself, like, girl, like, that's a lesson that I learned in terms of relationships that, you know, um, not everybody is going to be the one. And that's just basically matured me 
in that particular relationship, but right. also jobs in general. When I first moved to New York and I've been through so many different jobs. So I was actually fired like five, eight different times, child from jobs. I kept getting fired. Mm. Uh, but it created that hunger in me from that experience of getting fired several times. I always had this drive and passion. I and mean, I felt like when you live in New York, when you solely by yourself and you don't have nobody to depend on, like you got to have that drive and passion. So um, after right. getting fired so many times, I realized, and this is a lesson that I learned, I no longer care. <laughs> like, like I can, my current job right now, if I'm let go, I'll be perfectly fine. I'm not going to have a, a panic attack. I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown. When I was straight out of college, when I first got fired from my first job, I remember I was literally crying, going crazy to my roommate. And she was looking at me like I was a damn fool. She was like, girl, what is wrong with you? Because she's a New Yorker and she's been through all the struggle and shit like that. So she was just like, girl, like I'm going through worse than your ass and you up there having a nervous breakdown. But right. that that just taught me to just keep fighting. Shit, now I'm good in my career now. I had to go through seven damn jobs. But you know what? I made it, child. Right. And then, well, I remember when I used to go to these jobs, I used to dress up all the time. I used to kind of like assimilate to white people's culture. Now I don't. I don't give a damn. Like, I'm very, very pro-black. Um, I don't let people talk to me crazy. I'm, I feel like I was timid and scared when I first got in my career in New York. Like, these people have said all types of crazy shit to me. One job, a bitch called me a slave. Another mm. job, somebody insulted uh, my intelligence. called you a slave. Child, yeah. She was like, oh, I, can you do this for me? I don't want to make you my little slave. And she was like, oh, I didn't mean that. I'm not racist. Bitch, you are racist. If she said it, all that commentary, honey, I would have captioned all that in an email to HR. I was young and dumb. Like, I felt like if I said some shit, I would get fired, right? The first people they would fire is Black people back in the day. And this is before all the damn movements that we have now, before social media, like social media just now done bloomed on up. Back in the day, like we didn't really have that shit when I mm. first moved to New York. So like, I remember another job, this girl, I was trying to get a promotion and with my manager. So I went to my manager and I showed her my you know, resume. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to get to this level. And she was like, oh, you need a degree, ma'am. Why would I be in this job without a motherfucking degree, right? I was like, I got a degree. So <laughs> then she was just like, oh, well, you need a master's degree. Bitch, I got a master's degree. So it's literally, she was trying to like fight the fact that I'm qualified for this role to give me this role, right? They transferred me to another team because I asked for uh, a promotion. All that to say that I learned that, you know, if these people don't fuck with you, they don't want to hire you, create your own job or move on, find another job at the right. end of the day. And that's what I'm doing now. Like I created my own damn job, you know, my side hustles that I do now. In my career, I chunked up the deuces to a lot of these jobs that didn't respect me, went to other jobs, and I no longer be crying after people that don't see how qualified I am uh, to be in any type of role. What about you? Uh, how have my experiences matured me and taught me lessons about myself and what was the biggest lesson I learned on relationships. Hmm. Uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned for myself was having your independence and not being afraid to venture out. It is priceless. But, you know, even with that being said, having the right support systems are still very much essential. My experience may look different from others. 
a lot of people move up here not, you know, having a pot to piss in, not knowing anybody. And, you know, you your experience, you speak to having family up here. And for me, uh, and even, you know, people that you went to college with, when I moved up here, I didn't know a lot of people at all. I came up here from Atlanta. I was training in Atlanta. And then I had to kind of figure out once I picked my territory, like, okay, I got the job offer in New York. Let me find lodgings. Let me find where my job is going to be. Let me kind of be able to map X, Y, Z. Um, moving up here and not knowing a lot of people, it taught me how to branch out and pretty much not have fear of entering a room by myself. I remember going to places by myself and even still going to places by myself. If nobody's gone with me, like I don't have a fear. Hell, I remember when I was, used to fuck with Fab, I remember going to SOBs by myself and going to see him perform Soul Tape 2. I just remember doing things like that and not being afraid to put myself in the mix like that because hell, how can you be afraid when you're already here in New York City, 1,500 miles from home? Mm. incremental or very integral to my growth or just my experience here. I lost my best friend and I know I've talked about that in previous episodes, but even now, and it's crazy because this month actually marks the 10th year that that took place. She passed away in 2013. I lost my best friend before my 28th birthday and it really impacted me. And I don't even know if I really... I processed it at the time. It was unexpected. I had just moved back to New York City within the last year, and this was happening. And even when I did that, I knew that she was going through things at home, but I didn't know to the extent that it was at. And even when it happened, I didn't even know that we had gotten to that level. So it really kind of happened unexpectedly. And I felt, I think, a little bit lost, but I don't know if I really vocalized it or if I gave myself place to vent for it. I just kind of had to keep picking back up. And this was my best friend that I had since I was nine years old. And I lost her at 27. And it definitely made me look at relationships differently here. When I came back after that little six month hiatus, I had left the job that I was with previously and I, I kind of had to start all over from scratch. And so when I lost Cameron at that time, it was definitely a lot going on. And as a transient as well, I just feel like I came from a place where I had long-standing relationships and long-standing friendships with people. And, you know, sometimes it's very hard as an adult when you relocate to cultivate relationships with others. It is just hard, you know? Relationships can be difficult, whether it's romantic, mm -hmm. whether it's just personal. And as a transient, I felt like sometimes forging lasting relationships in adulthood was hard, especially in a place like New York City is so many people, you know, everybody is just kind of on a grind mode. Everyone has their own motivations. Um, interesting that you say that you, you think it's harder to gain long relationships living in New York. I do like long sustaining ones. Like I've met people, but I've also, I've had people that I'm no longer, it's no beef, but it's just like, you know, it's no longer that anymore. That's so crazy. That's the opposite of my experience. Mm, like I'm, my family friends, I wasn't close to them in college at all. 
And then we got to New York. We're close. Like, but we're you, still close. But see, you already had some association to them. You knew oh. this. So you already had a, a built-in rapport. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's different meeting people from scratch, meeting people. Maybe you worked with them. Maybe you met them, in, like, in passing. It's different. Y'all already had that commonality. So y'all can only bond further from that. You know what I'm saying? So, no, girl, because even on the job, uh, I'm still cool with a lot of my coworkers. Like, we still hang out. I'm listen, I'm cool with some coworkers too, but there are some people in some places that I, I went to. I spent some time at hot. Some of the, the relationships that I gained from there, I don't have a lot, a lot of long withstanding relationships. I have a, I'm still cool with the person that I had a direct relationship with. I was his direct report. You know what I'm saying? I could call him. I, I sent him happy birthday texts. But as far as some of the women, I had a whole roommate that I met through hot and I don't fuck with her. So I'm just simply saying there are people that I've met in passing that, yeah, like they just wasn't solid. Me as a person that's not from here, me personally and in my mind, I'm not coming with any malintent coming and I'm building and if I want you in my world it's because I'm building this world and so anybody I'm not cool with no more it, it's not like it's one-sided Girl, it's probably entertainment industry child because you know those people phony child and but that, in but, that industry and that's what I'm saying and a lot of some of my dealings with some was some creative stuff so when I do think about those relationships that were like that maybe that that's the thing but other people that I met I definitely have good friends that I've collected along the way and that are still solid with me. But I've also had people to move away from here too. Mm. But I learned that no one owes you anything here. They don't. It's like, you can't wear your heart on your sleeve. You know, it's best to be observant. Keep your ears open. Um, you know, keep your nose clean. Everyone has their own motivations, but it pays for you to build a great network. And so, you know, be intentional about the things that you want is something that I could say and that I would say about relationships and, you know, be intentional about how you want to build and how you want to be able to feed into the people around you and how you need the people that are around you to feed into you mm -hmm. and to give you what you need as well. If you're not your biggest advocate and your biggest cheerleader, no one else is going to be. Period. Okay. What was a trial you experienced in New York City that you overcame? Um, I know we brushed up on this earlier when I was talking about how I lost about five different jobs. But let me go into detail on all these jobs. So like I said earlier, when I first moved to New York, I was like temp. I was just getting fired after fired after fired. Child, don't judge me out there. A lot of these times I had a savings, right? So when I first moved to New York, I had a savings of $3,000, right? Th that was a lot back in the day. You know what I mean? That ain't shit now, but... <laughs> that ain't no money. That wasn't no money then. $3,000, that's it was definitely... Something shit. That's it was definitely something. first in security on some shit. <laughs> no, nah, back in the day, my rent was $600. Who was that, you living with? I was living... This is cheap. It was cheap in Bed-Stuy back in the day. Oh, you came here earlier than me. Yeah, I was... No, I came in two... Yeah, I did. I did actually come in. If you were here in 2009, 
but in 2010 but i left and i came back and i came back in 2012 no i came here in 2000 i graduated in 2009 that's when i came like after i graduated after i finished my training i was here i just wasn't doing an internship my rent was only six hundred dollars in bed style and now i know that shit is worth crazy now right so i had three thousand dollars saved up this is me straight out of college Well, maybe like two years out of college. So I worked, you know, this retail job and I worked several different jobs and I kept getting fired, right? And I'm going to say I was getting fired because of racism, y'all. I know it wasn't me. It was them, okay? Mm, That's why I kept getting fired. It had to be something like that because you are a very intelligent woman. You got two college degrees. I mean, yeah. Yeah, hype me up, child. Hype me up. It's true. So, and this is what I realized, the powerful impact of God, Right. So every time I got fired, I would uh, use my savings. Right. So I'll be literally on the last hundred dollars or fifty dollars of my savings and I'll pray. This is like five, six different times. I said, God, if you don't want me here in New York, just like, you know, don't let me get a job. Give me a sign and I'll be gone. Because- what is this? The two the two loaves of bread or the two fishes and the five loaves? This is a real. Don't be playing with God, girl. I'm this is not, a real shit I'm about I'm to talk about. I'm not playing, but you said it was several instances where you was down yes. in your last 50, yes, 100. several, several. Honey. $100, $50 only goes so far here. So I'm just well, like, let okay. me, girl, let me finish. Girl, let me let I'm, I'm about to talk about what God is doing, right? right. God is, he, God is amazing. He showed up and he showed out. So I'll pray and God will give me a job like right when I couldn't afford New York anymore. So he kept doing this over and over and over again. So during COVID, God said, leave sis, leave. And then I was literally about to, you know, get rid of my apartment. And I probably would have never took my ass back to New York. Mm. But my cousin, she needed an apartment. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways because she was in a bind and she needed an apartment. So then, you know, this is like maybe right after COVID. I guess COVID is still happening. But you know what I mean? Like when COVID was dying down. Mm -hmm. So again, I was praying to God. I was like, God, I don't know. where I was in Texas at the time. I was like, I don't know where you want me to be at. And God just gave me this apartment, right? So Mm -hmm. all of my trials and tribulations were basically jobs in New York, different careers in New York. And at the end of the day, I made it. And I can say it is all because of God, because I never would have made it, y'all. Marvin Sapp never would have made it. Right. Never would have made him. it. For sure. What about you, child? Girl. <laughs> I, what was the trial that I experienced here in New York City that I overcame? I feel like when you spend a good deal of your young adulthood and you're going to experience a myriad of things. And I did. And so for me, if I have to speak on something that was a big test and if I am being a hundred percent transparent and honest on this particular situation, y'all, this shit had me fucked up, you know, and I'm sharing it and I'm thinking thinking to even have this conversation because you know I have friends from back home and I'm sure Tasha that you get it too that you know see you up here in New York City or you know you live in another place for years and they're like they look at things online and they're like you know you're successful you're doing it and you know and I thank God that I don't look like what I've been through Amen. Ain't that what the saints typically be saying? Mm -hmm. We we thank him for what that our personal warfare and the things that we go through are not just apparent and on our our disposition and on Mm -hmm. our face when strangers see us. And so that even prompted this whole discussion. 
because people need to know. But I just remember there was a point in my life after I came back to New York City, probably like within the year and a half of my girl's passing, I was doing a lot of things to just kind of keep myself going, keep myself moving. I had just moved back to New York City. I wanted to make sure that I was striking while the iron was hot, coming back from that little six months break. And so at that time, that is when I started. I had a job. I started interning for Chanel and the Legion Group. And then I left that and I started a solely interning for like Funk Flex and Hot 97. So I just remember there was a point in my life when I was working this customer service job. I was really like a telemarketer, essentially, for like this company that was calling people so that it get placement for professionals for like certain type of profiles and things like that to hype up their accolades. And at night I was doing what I wanted to do. I was working for hot. I'm like in the door. I want to be around music. I went from having my own little blog and being like, I really want to, I've always loved music. I want to be able to work with music and for the longest, I was like, if I could be an A&R somewhere, but I want to get in the door. And so Hot 97 and working for Flex. And I just remember there was a season of my life where I was just so involved with just being like, it was a grind. It was like, I get up, I work my customer service job from 8.30 to 6. I leave that from 6 to 7. I travel into the city to go to Hudson Street so that I could be there to report for 7 p.m. so I could write for Fleck for those five hours until midnight, go home, uh, circulate in Crown Heights, looking for parking, things like that. Anyway, that same year, what happened to me was that shit caught up with me. I was kind of burning the wick at both ends, working at nine to five, working flex at night, coming home, maybe getting to sleep at one o'clock just to do it again at 8 a.m. in the morning. I got into a really bad car wreck and it was during a holiday time and a holiday party was involved, okay? So that means that I had been drinking. What? I had you was had, drinking and driving? I, I was not drinking and driving. I was not drinking and driving, but I had drinks earlier that night. So this whole thing spiraled out of control. I was literally working this schedule and just doing this grind that to any other person, it probably wouldn't make sense. But when you're in New York City and you're chasing your dreams and you're doing the things that you think that you want to do to get you further, it all makes sense. But I was not doing it to where it made sense. And I remember going, leaving my working, having worked the night before, probably laying down in my bed at 2 a.m., getting up to go to work, be there for 8 a.m. in Long Island City, working that until you know, 6 p.m. and then going to a holiday party that night. And that holiday party fucked me up because that no sleep, that wine, I got into a, a whole wreck. And I fell asleep at the wheel of my car. And oh, I, no. I woke up upside down. My car was flipped over. My car was totaled. I hit a parked car. By the grace of God, I didn't hurt nobody. I didn't hurt myself. I didn't walk out injured. And I just feel like God, he saved me for a bigger purpose. I feel like my best friend that passed away, she was looking out for me because like... So the cops, like, so what happened with the cops, the ambulance? It, was a, it was a lot of stuff. Like somebody had to help me out of my car. Like, first of all, I was flipped upside down in my seatbelt. I woke up 
on impact. And it was a man that was like banging on my window, trying to help me out my car. And he was like, I saw you sleep at, you know, a couple of red lights and I woke you up and you woke up, but you went back to sleep Mm. and he helped me out of my car, girl. So all the shit that transpired after that is funny to me now. It's not easy to talk about. That shit ain't funny. Shit. No, you. Yeah, you. You have no idea. You know what it felt like. Crazy. It was crazy. And I felt crazy behind it. And that whole experience, it was very eye opening. But I had to do a lot of shit as a result of that. I went to jail that night. Oh, Lord. You got breathalyzer. I declined it. And that's why I ended up going to jail. So if you decline to do a breathalyzer, they can take your ass to jail Mm -hmm. in the state of New York. And you did have some wine, child. I I did. And I was drunk. And and I was I was knocked out. I was slumped at the wheel. And y'all, I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, I'd be laughing about this experience now telling people, but it's not funny. But I remember like, I've never been to fucking jail before. What, you want to Rikers? What jail you nah, went to? bitch, I didn't go to Rikers. But I did go, I was in a holding cell here in Brooklyn. I'd never been to jail before. And I was in a holding cell for hours, for 12 hours. Who bailed you out? Your daddy? Nobody. My own recognizance. So when you don't have a criminal record and you go before the judge, but thing Mm -hmm. is, I probably was checking the county maybe like 6 a.m. in the morning. I didn't get out to almost 12 a.m. the next day. So that lets you know. And it just it was agonizing. And I couldn't even call nobody because everybody's first of all, my shoes was in my car. My purse was in my car. Even if I had access to my phone, you can only call local numbers. So they won't I, let you call out of town. They ain't shit. You I gotta, know you got you gotta memorize the numbers. You wanna memorize this. your daddy number? My sister's number, I know, but I just remember that. It just was, it was a bad situation, girl. Like, listen, I had went to the holiday party with my girls and you met both of them, Trudy and Q. They ain't and good friends. They no, knew you was tired. no, 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 no. We, we, we slept in the, in Q's car before we even, before we even all went our separate ways. And the fucked up part about it is that I left my phone in Q's car and my sister was calling me, looking for me. And all people knew was that I got into a car accident and all my girl knew is that she had my phone. So it just was a really bad situation. So that point in my life, That was like a really like trying season for me. Not only just reconciling like. Was they trying to fight you in jail? Was a lot of people. I never been. I've been to jail before, but I it was a different type of. It was it was a speeding ticket, but it was only being a crazy girl. Listen, the first night uh, or the first couple of hours, they had me in a holding cell. It was like this man opposite me. We weren't in the same space. We were in different places, but I had a dress on too. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? And he just was like, ooh, baby. <laughs> he was talking to me. I was like, what? The man was talking to you in the jail. Yes, but we were. Luckily, we were in two different <laughs> isolation. How many people was it? It was other women. No, with you? no, nobody else was in there. Oh, you lucky girl. No, so listen, the first place I was, that was like downtown Brooklyn. And then they moved me 
to like uh like really like downtown Brooklyn because maybe I was in Bed-Stuy first and when they moved me to downtown Brooklyn I was with other women and I just really I just minded my business I laid on the floor I slept until I was like I was like please God let me see a judge tonight please and by the grace of God I got to see the judge I got out on my own recognizance I didn't have no fucking shoes. I didn't even have my house key. So oh. I literally was going down the street like a crazy person. Child, you in a system. You in a whole system, child. No, I'm not. I had to. You couldn't catch. Oh, you didn't have no money. And we didn't have Ubers back in the day. We did Damn. have Ubers back then. It was like eight years ago. Oh, Lord. You know, mm. so, but it was a lot. But first of all, I was doing a lot at that time. And then I mm. had to realize that, you know, you could be doing a lot sometimes, but some stuff is for your good. And some stuff when you're not doing it properly can be to your detriment. Right. And I just feel like I was so gung ho for the opportunity, but I was really burning myself at the wick on both ends. It just was not sustainable. And because of that, you know, I got... By the grace of God, I was unscathed. I had my angels with me. And it did make me think like, well, God saved me for a greater purpose because literally like I could have hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. I could have hurt myself. Uh, I could have did or irreversible harm. And that was such a tough situation. And even with that, like I had so much legal things that I had to do to, to rectify that from doing community service to doing a whole type of outpatient type of setup. Like I had to- You a whole Cardi B child. I like, I had to do stuff to, to where my record would not be impacted by something that was a mistake. It was something, like I said, I thought that I was doing or operating the things that I was wanting to do, but it was really just harmful to me at that point, the way I was doing it. It just wasn't sustainable. It just wasn't. And I learned so much through that situation, but it was just like, I felt like I was spared for something greater, but that was like a whole trial because that was a whole year that I had to go through these things to where I was doing community service. I was, um, I was going to the Bronx. I was like, I was doing. You was going to the Bronx doing communities. Oh Lord, yes. you learned your lesson, child. I, I was off a of concourse. I was giving out bike helmets. Oh, like, I was, I did mad shit. I had to do the Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Like I had to do mad shit, and it was, it was not easy. And I like questioned myself, and I just, you know, I at one point I questioned God. It's just like, dang, like how could I put myself in this situation? to where I am and but everything happens for a reason I came out stronger because of it those were some things that I dealt with another thing that's been tough even starting a business here you know I've kind of talked about it a little bit on other episodes but starting my business insurance financial services it's not easy it's extremely hard it's one of those fields to where when it picks up like a lot of things it'll take off because we all need it but people aren't receptive to it even though I am in a community where we have such a small percentage of wealth, of generational wealth transference, and my job is still very hard because, you know, you really got to explain to people and, and, and show the significance because, you know, other people, other communities, 
they done well with adapting to certain things or getting certain mindsets or adapting certain concepts and kind of sticking to them and transferring them down from generation to generation. But it's a little bit harder for us. And I understand why is because our history is a little bit more checkered. We got a little bit more, you know, roots that that run deep. So I understand. So uh, it's a it's a challenge, but it's rewarding. I've dealt with a number of things. And so in knowing that we've dealt with a couple of things and sharing those, what do you feel like has been a superpower that you've gained through growing up here in the city, Tosh? Okay, so for me, I never knew just how creative I was until I moved to New York. So I, I feel like growing up, I was popular. I was a nerd. I was kind of different from everybody. I dressed different. I remember in high school, I used to wear heels all the time and I used to dress kind of, I was living in Germany before I moved to Houston and I was just dressed so different. And when I moved to Houston, like I went to a hood school, I went to Nimitz and I remember this girl saying, oh, like if I wore stuff like that, y'all would clown me. But I felt like I was fly. You know, I used to make up outfits and stuff like that. But when I went to New York, everything just changed. Like New York culture, everybody is so free. You can literally wear what the hell you want to wear. If you want to go out with pajamas on, people will look and keep it moving. No one is judgmental. Like it is what it is. Because I see all types of crazy shit, especially when you go to Afropunk. We talked about Afropunk going on this weekend. Right. You definitely will see all types of shit. But that's the beauty of New York. So I felt like that superpower in me that creativity led me to like doing these little hacks and teasers and that's what mm -hmm. I do a lot now like before I was doing hacks but now I create my own outfits that creativity is poured into me I had a homeboy just last week actually he was just like Tasha I was looking at y'all photo shoot and I was just like, you know what? I think that your calling is fashion. I really think you oh. should go. Yeah, he literally told me that. And I think it's all because of New York. And also like another- Did he feel like you styled that look? Because we styled it together. Yeah, he felt like that shit was fly. He was just like, that shit is just so dope. It's so New York. It's so different. I was like, yeah. Everybody love our photo shoots. They always think that all our photo shoots are so creative and all that stuff. But not just- yeah. Not just that fashion side of creativity, it's other sides of creativity. Like right. um, I'm also, I'm good at like just seeing things, like visually seeing things and creating them. Like yeah. when it comes to our little teasers and stuff that we do. Well, when we first started podcasts, I had the people at my job, I work in advertising. So I had the people at my job teach me how to video edit, right? I knew I had that in me. And now I can just conceptualize like a whole theme of any type of video I do whether it's a TikTok whether it's a reel and I get a lot of views on TikTok because of all that shit and that shit is crazy because oh. people be like oh my god like because I always try to tell a story and I think that you know that's a part of a lot of creatives like we try to tell it's a story to be told and everything that's with anything like you just said whether it's a creative whether it's anything if you're telling a story and you know how to tell it well people always are going to tune in and then also, lastly, another superpower I feel like I have is my power of networking and hustle, right? So before I always was like a people person, um, before I moved to New York, I always was like a little funny, but New York kind of like made me to where um, I was actually touched uh, this past weekend. 
a bender uh, came up to me and this is a girl who I seen a couple of times. I never really had no real conversations with her, but I always looked at her. I felt like she was like, kind of like, I don't know if I felt like she was kind of judgmental, but I didn't know her, but this is just like my first impression because she was never trying to talk to me. And I'll talk to all the other vendors and I'm like, girl, is this girl a little judgmental towards the stuff I'm selling? Like, I don't know. Um, but it wasn't that. The girl came up to me and she was like, you know what? I always like love vendor in which you, you have the best spirit. And I'm like, what? She was like, no, your energy, like all the vendors, like at all the vendors, you stand out. You have the biggest energy and we all love vendoring with you. And I was like, dang, that really made me feel special. And that showed me that, you know, I felt like New York made my personality grow and made my personality shine. And I'm great at networking where, you know, I, right now I'm an entrepreneur and I sell different body positivity t-shirts. And I have like a whole network of vendors where we talk all the time. We get tips on different things, on different events, on, you know, pricing, merchandise pricing. And I feel like I would have never had that if I didn't live in New York City. You cultivated that here and you can cultivate it anywhere. And just knowing that you did it here, you can do it anywhere. Right. I started off from coming to New York and seeing people sell stuff on the street. Now I'm that girl selling stuff on the street. The hustle is crazy, child. But what about you? And the hustle continues. Full circle moment. For me, what superpower have I gained through growing up in the city? I'll say that I had it before, but I now I think I have it in spades. And especially when I lock into it, resiliency. New York City has taught me how to be a chameleon, whether it has been, you know, losing a job and having to dig yourself out of a rut and get back on top. Definitely experienced that. I realized that typically the opportunities is normally in the setback that we have. That can even be said with what I got going on, a superpower that I've got. I've done sales. I've been in businesses where I've had to be resilient, where I couldn't take no for an answer or it wasn't going to really be valuable to me. And so even now I'm learning within my business that is is so quick pace. It's a lot to absorb. It's a lot of people to help, but the opportunity is normally in the setback. So I always have a chance to dig a little bit deeper and equip myself with a little bit more knowledge. And one thing about Andrea, I just wanted to shine on you. You are like an amazing salesperson, child. Like you just, the confidence that you have. (laughs) And I don't know if you was like that before you moved to New York, but girl, you are amazing. Like with all the selling anything, just, you know, persuading anything, just, Like you are really, that's a talent that you definitely have. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Creativity. Another thing I feel like a superpower that you just gain by being in a place where it's so much activity going on. So many people doing things, so many things to be inspired by, motivated by that, you know, how this podcast even came about was the fact that being in, in, in radio world, And wanting to be like, you know what, well, I got something to say. And, you know, I know I'm from somewhere else, but I'm here in this East Coast market and I've always wanted to be here. And so, you know, opportunity was was breeded from that, from the ground floor. So everything is about 
using everything that you've that that you got and encountered to get what you want and again um, this podcast is one of those things that was in the vein of things that I was doing from public relations to marketing to being in the radio station to blogging in that vein and confidence is a superpower that I've I've gained you just mentioned my selling Tasha I got it honestly and you know what is so crazy because sometimes I and I'm so passionate and that's a good and a bad thing cuz sometimes mm-hmm. I get I get so passionate and I get I feel rebuffed or I get my feelings hurt but you know it's can't wear things on your sleeve but I've done so I came into to New York City doing sales I came into New York City literally as an outside salesperson, having to connect with people on Long Island, I didn't have a market. When I went to a different company, having to market to people that were in the city, I didn't have a market. So that meant I had to get out in the street and hustle and network and build and be persistent. And at the end of the day, that's what got it. And um, if anything, that's you know, kind of what I've learned. I've I've gained such a, a confidence that, you know, I look up and I don't even know that it is being exhibited because it's just something that I exude because I ain't had no choice. Right. You just, you got to make those pieces hit. And that's where we are, making those pieces hit. So with the support of my family, I feel like with the support of God, I have been able to make it thus far. I've been able to make it to a place for the past 14 years. And I've started to garner a certain confidence, especially with traveling, just with living and just living longer. I know that I'm that woman, whether I'm home in Texas, whether I'm here in New York City, whether I'm traveling abroad. And I know that what I add to people, because they, just like how you were saying, you know, you get certain confirmations from people, whether it's, you know, thank you for adding to me, you know, even though I ain't got it all together, I still try to pour into the cups of people that are starting out here. And I try to, to, to give them the best advice that I didn't necessarily have because I understand how important it is, but all I can do is just try to be better than what I was. And, um, Again, so I've I've gotten that confidence and I try to to impart that to other people and I try to to help give them the leg up that they need. Now, right. knowing what you know, if you could impart one thing to yourself, what would it be, Tosh? Um, be your authentic self and your dialect doesn't make you less intelligent. Nope. And I say that because I'm very country. I don't I don't care what nobody say. And I know I, I don't know if you told me I was country, but a lot of people tell me that my accent is very heavy. But just because my accent is heavy does not mean that I'm less intelligent. I'm going to be who I am. People have told me so many stereotypes about Southerners and how we speak and they think that we're dumb and all this shit. But look where I'm at. Like, I have even family members when I first came up here and they was talking shit about like how I wore my hair and talking about how I dress, telling me I'm country and all this shit. And those same family members are where they're at, but I'm up here and them people are down there. So Mm. it's just like, that did not stop me hearing all these people like talk shit about, you know, me being country, thinking I wasn't going to make it in New York. I made it can say this day I'm very successful and then on a side note I'm gonna talk about the man here 
<laughs> so one important thing that I would love to tell my younger self is to, you know, I said this earlier, but don't cry for none of these men. None of these men are really worth your tears. Uh, I'm no back in the day, like I was just crying over this one particular guy. Now, like I don't let none of these niggas make me cry. I move on. It's it's plenty of fish out there in the sea. My mama always tell me that, child. It's it's other men out there in the world. I remember I used to be like, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump. My friends would be like, child, I wouldn't even jump off a sidewalk. <laughs> so that's just a learning lesson, like that I would tell my younger self. What about you? For me, what would I tell my younger self? I would tell myself that you lack absolutely nothing and you have only the world to gain. And when I say gain the world, I don't I don't mean in the biblical sense to where, uh, you know, you're being consumed by the world. But I'm just simply saying that the world is your oyster and you can control it and you have choice. That's what I would tell myself, because I've always been a focused, sharp, young, beautiful woman. And I feel like, you know, sometimes your trials can can kind of blur your vision a little bit. But don't don't forget, dust yourself off and fix your crown. Focus and fill yourself with the the things that truly feed you is what I would say. Starve those distractions. Focus and fill yourself with the things that feed you. Never allow anyone else to determine your value, your worth. Never. And never. And, um, you know, attract through authenticity, you know, because real truth is never hard to discern Real always recognizes real. And I feel like if you stay in the realm of that, you know, you get to avoid a lot of fake shit. Right. Okay. And so uh, I'm going to cap that off. We've said a lot tonight, but much like coal undergoes a process to become a diamond and gold has to be purified through heat. Only through rigorous trial can our metal truly take form. Like, only through trial, like what we've been through and what we've experienced, can we really be able to attest and speak to people and let them know, like, you know, how we came out on the other side of this. You know, we can't really, you don't even know what you're made of until you go through certain things. So that would be the piece that I would impart with people this week. All righty. So that's going to take us to our grits pick of the week. So I just want to give a shout out to Coco Jones. She's from Tennessee. Shout her out. So I don't know if a lot of you know Coco Jones, but you should know her. I um, do now. You were you were bigging her up on Fresh Prince. She hella fine. Yes, too. She's and her beautiful. vocals. And, tall. and she's and tall as hell. The talent. She's giving me Sierra. She gives she gives me stage present. She is gorgeous. So like she's an actress and a singer. And I feel like she used to, she was on a Disney channel, I think when she was younger mm. and she just kind of blew on up. Like I, I went from seeing her during COVID now uh, as an actor, now I'm seeing her as a singer. And I'm glad that the industry is giving her the love that she deserves. I just saw her recently, like give a lap dance to the guy for uh the Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. One of it her. was an artistic lap dance and I liked it. I want them to be a couple in real life, child. I but. was like, okay, sexy. I was like, she's tall, statuesque. I'm Just like, gorgeous. body, vocals. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it. And she's classy. And my mama love her. My mama don't like a lot of these young I like her. Like that. At first, I was like, is she doing too much? Because Chloe, you were talking about Chloe earlier. I be feeling like Chloe be doing a lot. But I like Everybody has a place. 
but I like I like uh Coco Jones. Yeah. I feel like I love her name too, Coco. Love it. Like my cat. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm called Peter on your ass. But anyway, that's about <laughs> it for us. All right. And so I did have a gem of the week. I, I talked about that shit before, and we're gonna still include it. But my gem of the week is water always reaches its level. Somebody told me this week, and I just wanted to impart that because I felt that that shit was true. And I'm a water sign, so I I had to tell y'all. But water always reaches its level. So be like water. All right. Flow smooth. Yes, Bruce Lee. We out this piece. Tune in next week to hear the convo and want to ask the grits a question or get advice. Inbox us at grits in the city podcast at gmail.com and stream us on all major platforms. All right. Peace. Peace. So make sure you go check us out. All streaming platforms, Apple podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, YouTube, uh, grits in the city podcast.com. You can visit us and check out our episodes and our website content there. All right. Y'all stay tuned. Woo.